Blog Talk Radio. Hey there, Dr. Ross Green here. I'm coming to you live from the offices of Lives in the Balance here in Portland, Maine, and I am joined by my co-host, Susie Porton, who is calling in from upstate New York. We do this every Monday, September through May, at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. That's 12 p.m. Old Time, now that we've fallen back. I knew something felt a little bit different. Susie, how are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I am well. I am um, still riding the wave of the three-day Lives in the Balance uh, first annual school mental health conference that took place in Calgary last week um, and at which about 750 total people were in attendance at one point or another. It was... um, People did seem pleased with the conference and with all that the speakers had to offer. Um, So it was really cool to see so many people so interested in kids' mental health in schools. And I hope that they got a lot out of the three days. Um, Not everybody was there for three days. Some were there for one or two. Um, But Lives in the Balance will be doing more of these in the future. Um, It was quite quite a three days. It sounds fantastic. It was, and uh, we are already um, scheduling, the dates are already scheduled for a similar summit in Vancouver next year and for the second annual School Mental Health Conference in Alberta that will be in Edmonton next year as well. So, all good. Great. Let me give the call-in number for those who want to call in, 347-994-2981. Susie, any thoughts before we jump into email, as we do not have any callers just yet? Sure. I just want to add, please press 1 after the phone number that Dr. Green just gave. Um, I have a small Plan B success story to share with our listeners that illustrates how useful it can be. I was talking to a mom the other day who was having a problem. Her son wanted to wear his Batman pajamas to school every day, and it was causing him to get very upset when she wouldn't let him. He was screaming and throwing things, crying, melting down, and nothing was helping. She wondered what I thought, and I thought it was a perfect time for her to have a Plan B discussion with her child. Not right in the moment, but to plan to have a discussion with her child. I encouraged her to make an appointment with her son to talk to him about this specific unsolved problem in a calm moment. I suggested she find out her son's concern on this unsolved problem, and I explained it was important to empathize and understand what was getting in his way. Then put her concern on the table, and lastly, brainstormed together a mutually satisfying solution that addressed both of their concerns. She later called to report that her son's concern was that the pajamas wouldn't be there when he got home from school. He didn't have them one day 
when he returned home from school because they were being washed. And her concern was that it's important to wear regular clothes to school during the day, and pajamas are for nighttime to help you feel cuddly for sleep. In the invitation step, the mom explained she would never do anything to the pajamas. Sometimes they have to be washed, but she'll make sure that she'll wash them in the morning or so that they will be ready when he comes home from school. So it just goes to show it doesn't have to be a big problem to use Plan B successfully, and I also refer her to the Lives in the Balance website for more help and information. Fabulous. Yeah. We'll take Plan B successes wherever we can find them. <laughs> Even on Batman pajamas. Here, you know, it's always interesting. By the way, we have a caller. We'll get to you in just a second. It's always interesting. People, when they try to decide whether an unsolved problem is big or small, mm-hmm. um, I mean, here we have Batman pajamas, but, you know, big or small isn't really the key issue. Um, what, a, what a lot of people do is decide big or small based on what the severity of the behavior the kid is exhibiting. Um, but uh, the smallest of problems can cause some of the biggest of explosions, and so big or small is always a very interesting thing to try to figure out. We now have two callers, so let's jump straight to caller number one, who's Great. in area code 937, and caller number two in area code 613. We will get to you as soon as we can. Uh, but first, our caller from area code 937, what's on your mind today? Uh, hello, Dr. Green. Thanks for taking my call. Um don't feel exactly prepared to talk to you at the moment, but I heard you had no callers, so I thought I'd uh, give it a try. <laughs> Pat sent an got, email, um, I don't know, a week or so ago, so I might be in your queue already. Um, my son is eight, and, and we are struggling with extreme explosive behavior. Um, have tried a number of different avenues came across your website um, a couple of months ago, gratefully had my husband willing to watch some of the videos, and he's on board to an extent. I also mentioned it to my son's counselor and was very impressed that she took time to watch your videos. And in speaking with her, she thinks there's a lot of good there, but she feels strongly that our son in particular would still need consequences. So I think my initial quest question is, is there ever a time in, in your philosophy where consequences mix in with you know, using Plan B? Well, uh, it's a great question, and you are in the queue. Um, I'm reading it now. You sent it on Monday, October 19th, yes, and I see the the mention of your son's counselor. So you were you were you were on the uh, agenda for today, anyways. But great. Um, and so if I'm look I'm looking at your email here, and it looks like the school counselor strongly feels that he needs consequences. Yes, and um, since then we had a conference, a teacher conference last week, and while she said he's doing great academically. Um, and she adores him. She has some very strong concerns about certain types of behavior that he's exhibiting. She also is very much in favor of strong consequences. So I'm, we're getting all of this you know, external feedback that we need to just be stricter and harsher, and, and I, it's not been working. So I, I'm struggling to get everybody on board to try this method, and I don't know if there is you know, it, does it work if we try to mix 
the two. Well, and one thing I'll say, maybe we'll call this program this. It's hard. There are people who have trouble giving up their consequences. It's hard to hard to just let consequences go. But here's here's the basic reasoning. Um, the basic premise of this model is that behavioral challenges are the way a kid or an adult, but we'll keep it to your eight-year-old son here, expresses the fact that there are expectations he is lacking the skills to meet. And that's, that's the way I've been putting it these days. What behavior is, is the way that your son is expressing the fact that there are expectations he's lacking the skills to meet. If he's lacking the skills, consequences, and by the way, I'm not allergic to adult-imposed consequences. What I always say is they just don't make any sense to me anymore because, first of all, they don't help a kid meet expectations any better. They don't address the lagging skills. They don't help us figure out what's getting in the way of the kid meeting the expectations in the first place and address the kid's concern, perspective, or point of view. They don't help the kid um, work with us as a partner, as a teammate, something we're doing to the kid rather than with the kid. I find that consequences are basically just useful for a few things, and, and this is why I'm not allergic to them. And this is what you're potentially getting into with the school counselor. Because what I'm seeing in your email is that um, he's displaying extreme disrespect. And what people are trying to do is figure out which behaviors are due to lagging skills and which ones are due to him choosing his words and mannerisms. Good luck figuring it out. Yes, um, and we struggle that with that a lot because everyone says, oh, he's so bright, he does know better, he's not lagging all these skills. So certainly there's times when he's in a true explosion, a lagging skill likely led up to that, but when he's just, just showing disrespect in general, is that a lagging skill? Sure, um, and truth is, I don't just think of lagging skill as causing explosions. Lagging skills can cause kids to cry, pout, sulk, um, scream, swear, uh, withdraw, have anxiety. Um, so I don't limit lagging skills to explosions. Um, I think that kids do well if they can, and that if a kid can respond adaptively, to an expectation, he or she will. And so I don't put any effort at all into trying to distinguish between behaviors that are chosen and behaviors that a kid is having difficulty coming up with something better. Um, I don't, first of all, that cannot be done with great precision anyways. And secondly, on a lot of the behaviors that people think the child is choosing, I find that when we dig a little deeper, we find that it is very predictable. And so here's, here's the tricky part. Actually, this is the crucial part. I wouldn't say tricky. Your son is disrespectful under certain conditions. Your son is disrespectful in response to certain expectations. If we don't know what those expectations are that he's struggling with, then um, we're just going to be caught in this sort of abstract world of is he choosing it? and therefore should get consequences for it? 
or is he not choosing it and therefore will do plan B? I'm going to, my experience is that I have every bit as much success on um, the ones that the kid would plan B, solving problems collaboratively, on the ones that people think the kid is choosing, as I do on the ones that people think he's not choosing, which is why I don't try to tell the difference between them anymore. Um, Consequences are good for a few things. They give the kid the incentive to do well. You're making it worth his while. Um, Well, I guess they're pretty good at telling kids what our expectations are. But here's the interesting thing about your about others saying your son is so bright and that he knows right from wrong. Mm -hmm. Every behaviorally challenging kid I've worked with over the last 25 years knew right from wrong. They knew what what we expected them to do, and they knew what we didn't want them to do. Um, Well, I guess there's there's a smattering who didn't. But 99% of the kids I've worked with over the last 25 or 30 years already knew that stuff. So for some reason, there's a whole bunch of kids out there who already know, who are still having difficulty meeting our expectations. The fact that he knows right from wrong, the fact that he knows what we want him to do and knows what we don't want him to do, has absolutely nothing to do with whether he has the skills to do what we want him to do and to keep himself from doing what we don't want him to do. So that, that to me, isn't persuasive. The fact that he knows doesn't point me straight toward adult-imposed consequences, 99% of the kids I've worked with over the last 25 to 30 years met that criteria. Um, we got to figure out what his lagging skills are, and I would strongly recommend that you sit down with the counselor. Um, in your email, it says you're in the early stages of doing the ALSIP. I, would, yeah. I wouldn't try to do Plan B unless I, until I did the ALSIP, because um, none of the skills on the ALSIP are going to be taught with an adult-imposed consequences, and none of the unsolved problems that you all come up with when you're doing the ALSIP are going to be addressed with an adult-imposed consequence. The, the biggest issue with consequences is that they are focused exclusively on behavior. And in this model, you're focused on the problems that are causing those behaviors. You're in a, so in answer to your question, do they go together? Um, well, maybe they do, maybe they don't, but I must say that whenever um, I've been dealing with lagging skills and unsolved problems over the last 25 to 30 years, I haven't felt need for consequences because we're focused on problems, not behaviors, and consequences don't solve problems. What do you think of all that? Well, I, I, I get it, um, but when we're in situations where he has a two-year-old little sister. She's walking by, and he sticks his leg out to trip her. Do you, what do you do in that circumstance then? Obviously, you need to keep the child, you know, the little one safe. How do you respond to the eight-year-old? You remind the eight-year-old that tripping his sister is not okay, and then you, we, do proactive, you do proactive plan B later, because if that's an, a fairly common occurrence, then you want to find out what he's thinking. Um, what his perspective is. I don't know what he's going to say. He might think it's funny. He might say he's bored. He might say he's getting even for something she did before. We have no idea what he's going to say prompted him to do that. Here's what we do know. If all we do is consequence him, 
We will remind him yet again that he's not supposed to trip his sister. I'm betting the house he already knows that. We will know zero about what's prompting him to try to trip his sister, and we'll keep consequencing him. So the recommendation is following the reminder, it's not okay to trip your sister, or honestly, we've had some situations the past few weeks where they've become violent against me, and he knows that's not okay. And I tried to have a plan B discussion with him about that specifically yesterday, but it's mostly... Well, I don't know. I just get, you know, people just need to stop aggravating me. That that was his conclusion after 20 minutes. Well, I would say that's a good hint, but doesn't tell us the whole tale. No, um, it doesn't. The hint is that his sister's aggravating him. It does usually take two to tango. Yes, tripping looks like it's all him. But, uh, you know, like in the NFL, it's the guy who strikes back at the guy who's hit first who usually gets the penalty called on him. Um I don't know if that's what's going on, but if that's, uh, I hope that you weren't doing it in the heat of the moment. No. I'm hoping, I'm hoping you had the drilling strategies in front of you. I'm glad you're trying to do plan B with him. Um, I probably wouldn't use tripping in the wording of the unsolved problem because a lot of kids get defensive when you throw their behavior at them. So we might have to go with what your expectation is, and that is that he treat his sister kindly. I you might I- want to be. Good. I'm sorry. I used. I, I. It seems like you're having difficulty with using gentle touch. Great. Sounds good. Um, if all you got was 20 minutes, that's a different topic, and that is what happened during those 20 minutes, and how can you follow up on the aggravation part, which is sounds like the best best kernel of information uh, you got from your son. Um, those are our thoughts. Susie, anything to anything to add? Uh, a few things. I just wanted to mention that it's never too young to start talking um, with your child about Plan B and understanding what's getting in his way. Um, our school viewed our son as being coddled. Uh, and that we were being too easy when we opted not to use consequences. Um, But we, I actually bought a copy of Lost at School and um, brought it in to the counselor for her to read. Um, The, just to reemphasize it, that, Um, consequences don't teach skills and solve problems, and the problems remain. Um, Now, forgive me, I don't want to assume, but maybe it would be the ALSUP is helpful in that it helps to um, narrow down in what particular situation or class is this are these problems happening because it's not occurring every single second of the school day. and to remind parents that it's not the child's idea of a good time. Um, well, it's funny you say that because that the teacher, I believe, felt a little the opposite. She, he's, you know, he's a hard worker, but he's a bit of um, not class clown, but the, the yep. class worker. and he likes the attention, and yep. so that he, he just makes poor choices from that perspective in in class. 
Yes, we had that. He does fairly well in class. It was more so outside of class, she said, when he's in art or music or on the bus or at recess or at lunch. It's those times that he's not doing as well and, and making poor choices. And and that's why it's so helpful to, you know, keep a log of your two or three most important problems to prioritize and use the LSIP to um, identify those specific times that the skills are being, the lagging skills are being required and, and um you know, to help teach a vocabulary to express his frustration and um, that was about all. It does sound like, you know, the more we're talking to you, the more we get some information about the specific conditions in which he's having trouble in school. Brings up an interesting question. You mean he doesn't want the attention that he's getting when he's acting up when he's working hard, he only wants that attention in the lunchroom. I would interpret that completely differently. Uh, he has the skills to meet the demands that are being placed upon him academically, but there's something going on in the lunchroom and in the other settings that you mentioned that he is lacking the skills to deal with well. Um, does sound like there are at least some people in your son's school who are viewing things through very traditional lenses. Definitely. Um, And that's a shame. So as Susie was mentioning, you might want to hand him a copy of Lost at School, although it sounds like you do have a sympathetic ear in the school counselor. Uh, He or she is just having difficulty giving up those consequences. Right. She feels... Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. She feels, and I think that part was in the email, after watching your videos, that he lacks one of the key pieces that you state is necessary for a child to do well, which is motivation. She doesn't and that's feel actually he... a very that's a very traditional point of view. Right, and um, I, I don't know that I agree with that. I was surprised to hear that, but n- n- not sure how to, you know, convince well, otherwise. The the thing is, what that explanation is suggesting is that under some conditions, like when he's working hard, he's motivated to do well. And under other conditions, like in the school cafeteria, he's not motivated to do well. And I don't buy it. Uh, It makes a whole lot more sense to me. He has the skills to handle the demands being placed upon him under some conditions, and he's lacking the skills to handle the demands that are being placed upon him in other conditions. Um, so I think you have more discussions with the school folks about who we got here, but it would be helped enormously by having everybody who's dealing with him sit down and do an LSIP together so they can see just how many skills he's lacking. Um, and so that the discussion can begin about whether a consequence is going to teach him the skills he's lacking or solve any of the problems that are causing him to behave in the ways that they're not happy with. I wish you the best of success, best of luck with your continued efforts to do Plan B with your son. I'm ecstatic that you're trying to do that. And you should feel free to call into the program and give us updates anytime you want. Thank you so much. Keep us posted. You bet. Susie, shall we turn our attention to another call? Of course. 
Here we go. I apologize that this caller's been waiting for 15 minutes, but here we go. Area code 613, you are on the air. What's on your mind today? Um, hello? Hello. Oh, yes. Okay. So it's me. Uh, yes, I have um, listened to your program not for too long, just since uh, September, and um, I'm trying to... The same like the caller before, I used the plan B with my son. He's uh, eight years old as well. And what I'm trying to do is trying to work with him uh, to his grade four to actually work on his homework. And I find that he completely against coming home and sit down and have time for homework. He's just starting September. He's slowly had no interest in the homework time and uh, and to the point that he got very frustrated. So then we tried a points program, then we tried, didn't work. So then now I'm using your idea to see collaboratively how could I help him with his homework because he seems to be falling a little bit behind in class. How old is your son? So he's eight. but um, He's eight he's years old. He's almost nine this year, and yes. And then when he, I try to use, if he wants to play uh, at the computer, then uh, what we find is uh, that he has difficulty um, with the transition to actually transition from that playtime at the computer and go back into uh, to his homework. If I may, perhaps need smaller blocks of of homework time. And since he's not doing a lot of his work in the class, he seems to be the work coming with him home for me to attempt with him, which is quite difficult. He gets frustrated. Mm-hmm. And I could see that he has a few uh, unsolved problems, as you mentioned. I'm just trying to see how I could help him. Sometimes we just give it up completely for the weekend, where last Yesterday, we spent the whole day trying to come up with a few things for him to actually have accomplished. And when he gets frustrated, he just simply doesn't want to do anything, and then he gets really mad and upset. And they all have to be precipitated most since uh, September. So I was trying to figure out now, perhaps that he's in an older grade, he seems to feel the pressure. I'm not exactly sure, and then it's showing up the, the skills that he's missing. Well, now you said you tried to. Do, did you say that you tried to do Plan B with him on the uh, homework well, issue? Well, I'm I'm trying to start it, but I'm not fully sure exactly how I'm applying correctly. I've read your book, and I tried to talk to him, but we can't seem to figure out exactly how can he actually attempt the homework. He does for ten minutes, then he says, "No, I'm done," and I said, "Well, that's sufficient time to accomplish your work." Well, what so, um, I don't know if you asked him what he what it is the, the unsolved problem as I'm hearing it. And by the way, this is more complicated than it first appeared because not only is your son having difficulty with homework, he's having difficulty completing the work at school, and they're sending it home for homework. Exactly. So this so this unsolved problem. Yeah, this unsolved problem is getting more and more complicated the more we hear about it. But um, so I have a feeling that this problem is going to require some collaboration with the school because, after all, the school are the ones who are sending the homework home, and the school is the place where he's having difficulty completing the work, and they're sending that home too. 
Yes? Great. Yes. So what we have is a total... Go ahead, sorry. No, then I just have his usual homework plus the additional homework. And then when I talked to school, the plan was to reduce the amount of homework that he has. So then we try to reduce it. And instead of doing the usual that some of the other kids are doing, that he will do a reduced set of his homework. But I find that even with the reduced set, he's still continuing to have problems completing that homework. Well, and what that tells you is that while it may be true that he's getting too much homework, it sounds like there's something going on with the um, work that he's being expected to do with the homework that he's having trouble doing. Because if the only issue was too much homework, then reducing it presumably would have fixed it. But it didn't fix it. Uh, It's a good example of how sometimes we adults think we know what's the matter, but unless we ask the kid then we start applying interventions that really aren't going to address what's getting in the kid's way, though I'm, I'm sure your son is happy with less homework. But what you're telling us is that even with less homework, he's still having trouble doing homework. And he's still getting homework sent home from school for the stuff he's not completing at school. Here's what I would do. Ready? Mm-hmm. We need a list of all Great. of the assignments that he's having trouble completing both at school and at home. We need to pick one assignment off the list and ask him about the difficulty he's having in completing that assignment. We've got to, get, we got, we got to, we got to make sure we have our list here because from the sounds of it, there's something about the work that's being expected at school, at least some of it, and the work that's being expected at homework, at least some of it, that he's having trouble doing. We don't know what that is yet, and simply reducing the homework isn't going to help us figure it out. Great. All that makes sense? For example, yes, yes, yes. He does have, like, for example, just vocabulary and spelling or reading a novel and then answering a couple of questions from the story. And then when uh, we try to sit together, it, it works for about 10 minutes. And then after that, he seems that he loses his patience or to sit down, and then he just wants to have a break. And often the break, is, he is interested to have it at the computer. However, if he does have that break, it's hard for him to transition back into the homework. Yep. So we, then, have a few uh, diff- uh, we have a few different unsolved problems. We have the specific assignments that he's having difficulty completing. Right. We have the fact that he only lasts for a brief period of time in completing them. We have that if he's given a break on the computer, it's hard for him to come back to the homework. Um, we need a list. Mm-hmm. And, and we need to talk with him about these specific assignments that he's having difficulty completing. And it sounds to me like we need that list to include the folks at school where he's also having difficulty completing work. We don't know, for example, if this is lagging skills, We don't know if it's because there's something about the assignment that's too hard for him. We don't know if it's the fact that his attention span isn't very long, so it's hard for him to hang in there for a long time. We do not know anything um, yet, but we need to make our list first. Then we need to ask him. There you go. Okay. All right. Well, some of them, yeah, that, uh, for example, like the vocabulary or spelling, what I find out, for uh, so just a little short example, I said, well, 
I was going for a ride to uh, yesterday. You take one homework with you, which is the spelling, and you do it in the car until we go to the, our destination. And he was able to complete uh, completing the car because he had no distractions. He was just myself driving, so he had nothing to that except his homework. And he knew that at the end I will buy him a little treat. And he seemed to be able to accomplish the task. And then when I asked him why can he do it at home, she couldn't answer. But the moment I put him at home at the table, after 10 minutes he's distracted and all he wants is to go back at the computer and sit there and play. It's almost like an escape from Well, so you have you have some theories. We're not going to yes, know. Yes, I don't know and, exactly. No, nope. the only the only way you're going to figure that out exactly is by getting information from your son, from okay. getting information from the folks at school. But the person who mm-hmm. has the most important information to give you is your son. Right. Good luck with it. Feel free to call okay. him any time. Oh, thank you very much. You bet. I appreciate Take care. it. Thank you. Bye. That that's pretty cool. We're getting calls now from Ottawa, which is wonderful. Yes. Um, Susie, you guys had some homework troubles, didn't you? <laughs> Just a few, yes. Um, um, the amazing thing about homework is, well, in this this is this scenario is, in my opinion, one of the worst case scenarios. You have a kid who's having difficulty getting work done at school, and the solution is to send the work home. Right. Um, never a good idea. Um, but anyways. What are your thoughts on homework? Um, What I learned was with a challenging child, we had to prioritize. And in our particular case, um, homework became less important than it would in a regular household. Um, we, We had other priorities and unsolved problems that we were trying to uh, address. And um, homework was maybe third or fourth on our list for a while. Um, and it helped to to break it down into, you know, a specific class. Not all homework was difficult for our son. And then the other thing I just wanted to mention for these two callers was I love the book The Adventures of Stretch More because it provides a framework that parents can use um, to help their child identify and solve problems and indirectly teach lagging skills. Good. Shall we, we do not have another caller. Let's see how many emails we can answer in our last 10 minutes here. Um, this is a pretty recent one. Uh, so my mom saying, I will admit I am new to CPS and Plan B, and I have a lot to learn. So far, the problem solving is still rocky, but all right, when I'm trying it with one of my kids, I have four children and me. Uh, my oldest, the eight-year-old, is the most frequently explosive, but my second oldest, age seven, has some really explosive moments, too. Lately, the vast majority of explosions have involved sibling conflict, and when I try to problem-solve with the two kids or more, we most frequently get nowhere and often end up 
engaged in another explosion regarding the same problem. This is after everyone is calm. They accuse each other of lying or wanting me to publish, punish the other. How can I help more than one child problem solve? Great question. Um, by doing them one at a time. What we may be hearing, it's, it, first of all, it's definitely possible to do plan B with two siblings, but not necessarily with them sitting in the same room in the beginning. They may not be ready for that yet. And that's what you frequently get when you're trying plan B with two siblings and they're hearing each other's concerns for the first time. You get accusations of lying and that's not true and ba 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 ba. So what I would recommend is that you do the empathy step with one, get the concerns of one of them privately, then get the concerns of the other privately, then potentially go back to both of them and start thinking about solutions now that you know what the concerns of both parties are, and then bring them together, just like uh, you know dignitaries do when they are signing a treaty, but all the hard work went into the treaty way before they signed it. All the stuff went on behind the scenes. Uh, that's what you're doing here. You're getting together for the signing ceremony. Once you feel that you have a solution that's going to work for both of them, you're getting together to discuss the solutions. But what's hard for siblings to listen to in the beginning is each other's concerns. Um, Susie, you did some plan B between siblings, I think. Anything to add to that? Um, just to remember that it's a skill-building process, that it takes time to get the plan B ball rolling. Um, the the great thing about the model is that it gives us hope and it makes things better. There's no magic pill, but it and it's not perfect, but life does get better when you use the model. And Go yes, ahead. I used it a lot with our three children. Here's another one. I'm trying to complete the ALSUP and struggling to define the unsolved problems. The main skills my son is lacking are difficulty managing emotional response to frustration. And by the way, that's one that almost always gets checked off um, for any kid who we're doing the ALSUP on. And impulsivity. Here's the question. Is difficulty getting along with other kids on the playground too vague? My son is seven and displays general social emotional immaturity, although I'm having a tough time identifying very specific unsolved problems because such a range of things can trigger a meltdown. All right, so here we go. I think difficulty getting along with other kids on the playground is pretty specific um, if there are specific kids he's having difficulty getting along with, we might want to put that. If it's one playground and not another, we might want to be more specific about that. If it's on a particular piece of equipment on the playground, we might want to put that. But if none of those things is especially clarifying, I would leave it exactly the way it is. Don't get overwhelmed by the sheer number of unsolved problems there are. Um, yes, I get it. Um, a range of things can trigger a meltdown. But in the kids that I work with and the kids that the people who I work with work with, it is not unusual, especially if we're being very specific, for a kid in the beginning to have 30, 40, 50 different unsolved problems. 
What's the advantage of listing them all? First of all, um, now you have it in front of you. Um, now you know exactly these situations and the expectations that your son is running into trouble on. And I think that that's tremendous added value. It is good to know that stuff. Now you know the mountain that lies before you. Plus, you're not going to be solving all of those problems at once anyways. You're only going to actually be working on two or three at a time. That's the prioritizing part. Little by little, you start chipping away at all those unsolved problems and start solving them. Um, a lot of people say, isn't 30, 40, 50 unsolved problems kind of overwhelming? My usual response to that is, yes, it is very overwhelming, but here's something that's even more overwhelming, having absolutely no idea what those unsolved problems are, and therefore having no idea what unsolved problems you could be busy working on. So I think that there is tremendous added value in getting your list, and it could be early on, 30, 40, 50 different unsolved problems long. It also helps you prioritize. Um, as I, uh, the word I've been using lately is triage. You know, when a patient arrives at the emergency room, if they have an uh, ingrown toenail, a dislocated shoulder, and they're in cardiac arrest, the emergency room folks have to decide what their priorities are, and they've got to save the patient's life. And only one of those three tends to be life-threatening. But if the patient is only unconscious, and they have absolutely no idea what's going on with the patient, um, they have no idea where to start, and they have to figure it out. The same is true with unsolved problems. The ingrown toenail can wait. If the patient is in cardiac arrest, the dislocated shoulder is going to wait too. Um, we've got to prioritize. We can't work on everything at once, but if we don't know what everything is, we won't have the slightest idea where to begin. Susie, anything to add to that? Um, it's never too late to start to use Plan B, but... Starting early and having your pile of problems is truly a lot smaller than if you let those problems pile up over the years and you start with an older child. Good. And you know what? We have, uh, I had three other questions in the queue here, but we only have about two and a half minutes left in the program, and I do not think two and a half minutes is enough time to answer well any of them. So I'm thinking the better part of valor here is to save them for next week and end All the right. program a little early today. Any final thoughts before we call it a day? Just to mention that the parents, there's a webinar for parents November 9th, Monday at 7 p.m., and you can register for that. That's in the What's New section on the Lives in the Balance website where you can register. Susie, thank you for reminding us of that. We're doing it at 7 p.m. this time. Sometimes we do them during the day where some parents have an easier time joining in, and sometimes we do them at night where other parents have an easier time joining in. This one that's coming up in a week is um, 7 o'clock in the evening Eastern time. That's probably going to work for some folks and work really badly for others, but uh, we'll keep moving it around so that we can see if we can catch as many people as possible and give lots of folks the opportunity to join in at least once. Good. Thank you for reminding us of that. And uh, shall we call it a day? Sure. Let's call it a day. We'll be back next week, same time, same channel. Talk to you then. Take Susie, care. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Bye-bye.